here. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> and welcome back to Sun and Fun Radio Live. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great honor to turn control of the Sun and Fun Radio deck and broadcast over to two of the three voices in your head. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's have a big hand for Jack and Dave with special guest James of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. Yay! Thank you, David. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. We are once again back at one of our favorite places on Earth. We are on location, on the grounds of the 2013 Sun and Fun Fly-In here in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, uh, as David said, back on the deck of Sun and Fun Radio, who are uh, our, our fearless hosts for... Uh, I, no, I'm, I was just trying to count this. This would be our seventh year, I think. I believe Doing so. Doing the podcast here? Seven. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. And so, guess we just got to keep trying until we get it right, you know. And I, I'm going to keep coming back until we do this correctly. That's right, so. yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm joined here up on the deck with two of my uh, very good friends. The voice you were just listening to is Dave Higdon, who is uh, one of our, my, my regular good friend in the podcast. How you doing, David? I'm having so much fun here, seeing new, new, new friends, old friends, seeing some new things on the field. The aroma of smoke oil and jet A and the sound of airplanes and air show food. I mean, I know, what could be better? I know you love coming to these things and you love uh, uh, meeting all your friends and all your you know, soon-to-be friends, but you do have a special place in your heart for this one, don't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sun and Fun was my first big event when my career was beginning back in uh, the early 80s. My first Sun and Fun was 1982. And, you know, it's kind of like your first prom date. You, yeah. you never lose that soft spot that you have for the first one. And hold that thought, because I want to ask you a little more about that. But first, I want to say uh, hello to my other friend who's up here. Uh, James Winbrandt is here. Hi, James. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so wonderful to be here at Sun and Fun, having missed it last year for the first time in gosh knows how many years. I know. That was too bad. We missed you. But uh, you're here. And you're not here for very long this year either, are no, you? No, I have to leave tomorrow because I'm going to Shanghai for the AB. Show, which was where I was last year during this time, uh, which okay. was entirely overlapping. So, you're so A-Base would be the aviation business aviation, uh, the Asian, Asian business aviation conference and exhibition. Dave, I am not surprised at all that you got that perfectly correct. <laughs> he didn't get it perfectly correct. He screwed it up the first time. Anyways, <laughs> hey, uh, I should explain that Jeb Burnside, uh, uh, Dave, and my other uh, cohort here, it was unable to be here this, uh, or at least early this week. Um, he has been a little bit under the weather recently, and uh, his original plan was to get his uh, his magazine is on deadline this week. Tomorrow is the day that he has to finish his magazine. The original plan was to get it done early so that he could be here, but because he got a little touch of the flu, uh, it slowed him down, and so he's merely going to be able to be on time with his magazine. But that. <laughs> meant that he wasn't going to be able to be here today. He'll probably be here later in the week. Uh, we'll have him on the podcast when we come back again on Sunday and probably some of the dailies later in the week. But uh, he sends his regrets, and uh, and I don't know, maybe he's listening over there in, in uh, Sarasota back at Hidden we, River. I don't we, know. We will consume his weight and or his share of the adult beverages. And I, I'd ask him to send me a text message, but Shelburne makes us turn off our phones, so we can't... Uh, but uh, what a trooper, what a pro there, nose to the grindstone yeah, instead of being here with where everybody in aviation wants to be right now. Yep. So uh, hang in there, Jeb, and we'll see you later in the week. 
So what's going on here? I want to, you know, so this Sun and Fun. You know, a lot of people are very familiar with the other big air show up the road in, in Wisconsin. And, uh, I and it's, heard of that one. it's tempting to compare them. Um, when we were recording the Daily this morning, I was making some comparisons between the two. And, and rightly, David, you pointed out to me that you kind of can't compare them. They have very different rhythms and very different atmospheres. And well, tell me a little bit more about what you think on those lines. It's, this is different than other air shows, other fly-ins. Well, Sun and Fun, you know, which is 39, this is the 39th Sun and Fun. And it started as a getaway for from CBAA folks down here in the south to invite their friends up north to come down and enjoy some fine weather. And it moved from January to February to March and now to end of April, all to accommodate larger crowds and give them better flying weather. And along the way, it grew into uh, the second largest event of this kind in the country. But it has always had this nature of this southern hospitality event with its own little rhythm uh it's a little more laid back it's uh, laid out differently like we're sitting in what would be the hub of a wheel with the different areas laid out around us and uh it's got a little smaller footprint geographically it's a little easier to walk around a lot of people think but it's uh it's 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 the show that kicks off the season for a lot of people and a lot of companies come here to show the stuff that they've been working on all winter. But a lot of folks just come here because they haven't flown much during the winter. They want to get back into the spirit of it. Uh, they want to get their juices flowing. And uh, they come down here to have a relaxed, fun time to watch airplanes fly, meet old friends, shop for new stuff. Uh, it's never had quite the same feel. And uh, so I find it hard to compare the two. Yeah. James, your thoughts on, on this fly-in. How, is it, how does it compare for you to other fly-ins that you attend? Well, I just would like to follow up on that point that Dave was making. It's a little more, definitely more laid back and relaxed, but yet it is still a major venue for introducing new products. I'm thinking, for example, just last year, TBM introduced the 850 Elite here, and they reintroduced it at Oshkosh, and you might have thought if you were only at Oshkosh that that's where they introduced it, but indeed it was debuted here, and we see a lot of OEMs bringing out new products here because people have been pent up all winter, and as Dave said, this has been historically the opening of the season, mm -hmm. yeah. and that really is what informs it. And it's a chance for, it's kind of like, your, as they've always said, spring break. Now, we don't see people prancing around in bikinis, unfortunately, but, or maybe it's better off, or maybe it's better off, but it definitely has that kind of, all right, you know, the Ides of March, the changing of the equinox, the rebirth happens here. Well, James brings up a good point about the, the new product introductions that we see here, because if if you're familiar with magazine cycles and publishing, and most people who read these magazines have some clue about that, the stuff that's new here will be publicized in magazines and in print and on websites over the next couple of months. So that by the time folks get to Oshkosh, they, the ones that didn't come here now know what's new on the market. They can come to Oshkosh. They can start to shop and buy. Uh, but Oshkosh's purpose is to get together the clan of the experimental and the antique and folks and this 
is to give everybody a break from winter. Yeah. I asked Dave Shelbetter to, to rejoin us for a few minutes here. Hi, uh, you, you obviously have been involved with this fly-in for a long time. I have. Yeah. How long? <laughs> All the 39 years? or near? Uh, no, not quite. I started with Sun and Fun when I was 16 years old, and uh, I came to my first one in 1978. I've been here ever since. Uh, this year makes 34 mm-hmm. running for me, and the radio station itself went on air in 95, so this makes 19 years that I've run the radio station. Mm-hmm. What, what makes this fly-in special in your mind? Um, A, the weather, you know. I'm from South Florida, so it's nice to come up here to the cool weather. <laughs> <laughs> Sun and fun is the only place I know. I did see a big sale on snow shovels out on South Florida, did I? No surprise, no surprise. Now, Sun and Fun is the only place I know that I use my heater in the morning to just take the chill out of the bathroom before I grab a shower, and then I go to the air conditioning not that long after we kick the AC mm-hmm. on. Yep. yep. So, uh, yeah, and it can be, I mean, I've been here when it's been, even this time of year when it's been really cold. No, I, I, that was a joke. Um, I come here, it's close for me. It's a 200-mile yep. trip for me, and I love it, you know? Yep. Sun and Fun, I, I know a little bit about your story, David, and, and it, Sun and Fun for you is very much, both in real terms and in symbolic terms, a family affair. It is. Um, it is. It, your, your mom was very involved. Um, you've had yep. uh, friends that are virtually family, uh, brothers and... I'm not sure if your brothers are involved, but it's family. It, it is, yeah. Is that, is that a metaphor for the whole fly-in, for the well, whole and, all and of Sun and Fun? That's what I, that was going to be my next comment, is that when I come on these grounds, I feel like I'm home. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I we have yeah, uh, we have memorials, new memorials to friends lost over at the RAF Fire Hub. Every trip I stop and I say hello to them. Yep. Um, I grew up here. I started this event when I was 16 years old. I'm 50 years old now. Yeah. You know, I'm watching the new generation come in. I'm I'm bringing in the new generation of kids. Yeah. We got Robert Decker that works with us here at the radio station as an engineer. He's a CFAA student. You know, I like to hope that we're we're passing on the reins and keeping it down. Um, a lot of the person I am today, the the man and my my philosophies and lifestyle and business attitudes and stuff, are from lessons that I learned here at Sun and Front Fun from the people that I got to know. Yeah, I apologize for belaboring this, I, but I, it's important I think for people to understand. You know, you, someone who's coming to these kinds of events for the first time, see the airplanes, see the products, see the smoke. You know, the the, the smoke. You know, uh, the acro smoke and, and things like that. And certainly, you come the first year or two for those kinds of reasons. But if you come a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a and a thirty fourth year, mm-hmm. all right, you come for reasons other, or in addition to the cool products and the cool airplanes. Good and and I wanted to, I wanted to tell that story. I think that's important. You know? Well, yeah, and it is important to tell that story because I've heard it not only from you, but and I think you, I think it was you or on, on UCAP, one of you guys on UCAP made the comment that you come for the fly-in. The mm-hmm. first year you come for the fly-in. From there on out, you come for the camaraderie. You come for the family. Yeah. You, you, people that you camp around. You know, and, and I... This is one that I have to apologize if I'm belaboring, but you miss so much by not staying on the field. Right now, okay, it's 6.24 p.m. on opening day. Probably 80% of the people that came in for the day, 80 to 90% of the people that came in for the day that are staying off-site, whether they're in hotels, they're locals that have come in, they are gone. And they're missing this. They're missing yeah. hanging out at the Sunset Grill. They're hanging out at the Corn Roast, the Fire Hub. 
you miss so much when you don't stay on the grounds. Anyways, so I, I did, that's an important story, I think, and I, I think people ought to understand that to know, you know, that you're missing out the best part if all you're doing is looking at the airplanes. And yeah. it's a highlight, you put it on the calendar, you just have this bright spot in the calendar. It's like, oh, I know yeah. there is an event here that is totally fulfilling, that is a huge part of my life, and it's coming up in that month, and I'm going to be there. Yeah. But now let's talk about the airplanes. <laughs> um, so what's going on here this year? It's, There's uh, airplanes here? It's an interesting... First of all, the year has just begun. The fly-in's just begun. It's the end of day one. And uh, so it's kind of hard to... I don't think we yet completely have a feeling of what this year is going to be all about. But uh, there's a few things we've, we've seen that are kind of interesting. Um, one of the most, I think, maybe well-known um, aspects of this fly-in had to do with the, uh, the FAA tower closures. Um, and, uh, it's, and it turns out there's not an awful lot to that story at this stage of the game. The tower is up and running in its expanded fashion, as it does every year. And uh, we just had a little bit of excitement out here in front of the deck. Uh, just took off and clipped the guy wire on a post. Yeah, so Knocked down a post. No injuries. Um, he so didn't even know he did it. He kept going. The FAA tower has been up and running um, all week long. I was asking some folks out on the grounds today whether or not they uh, they felt like the arrival procedure was in any way different than any past year, and they said no. They said it was just as usual, working just fine. The the flow was normal. The the uh, procedures were normal. The you know the, everything was fine. I couldn't tell you because this is the first year I've been here that I haven't flown in. In yeah. fact, I went to visit some friends in Sarasota yesterday and flew in there and decided it'd be easier just to rent a car and drive in Yep. because yep. actually sometimes if you're carrying things getting from one side of this field to the other can be a little challenging because you land and you're on the opposite side of the field the right. air show getting over so being as sarasota is not far i tried to drive in and uh it was okay. I prefer flying in. Yeah. Now, the sky out in front of us is making a liar out of me because I've been saying for the last 24 hours that I felt like the, uh, the uh, pattern was a little quieter than I'd seen it in the past. But, boy, it's happening right now. A lot of departures are going on out here. Um, I think I see five, six aircraft right now um, on the uh, upwind. Uh, heading out of here. so and Some uh, of those will be back this evening. I'm sure a lot of them will be back this evening or in a couple of days. Um, Brad counts Going out eight. for dinner. Yep. So uh, there's a lot of activity here, and the uh, the uh, you know the whole the whole controversy over the FAA tower or the 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 contract tower closures is for another day. It has little or no impact here this week, so that's a good thing. Um, what else is going well, on? Well, actually, yeah, you're not 100 percent accurate on that. Really, check. what? I've not heard the final word, but Sun and Fun is footing the bill. Well, that part is certainly true. I'm just talking operationally. Okay. Um, operationally, everything is the way it, is, it, it always is, as near as I can tell. What else is going on here? You know, I, I have a confession to make. Um, I've never been to the museum here. Have, I'm sure you have, David Shellbetter. Um, yes. Um, Higdon, have you been to the museum? Many times. Tell, tell me a little bit. Give me, give me two minutes on the Sun and Fun Museum. What's it like? Is it big? Is it? I, I know the, the big museum up the road in Wisconsin. It's Sun and Fun Museum's a smaller footprint, uh, but it's got a lot of aircraft that document the, uh, the, the evolution of experimental airplanes and ultralights and, and what's morphed into light sport. Uh, some unique airplanes. I think the first CGS Hawk is over there. Oh, really? Uh, yep. It, it, it's it's a really interesting little collection. Uh, a lot of good things to learn there about the history of uh, uh, EAAs 
involvement with experimental aviation is reflected here because this was this originally was an EAA chapter event. Not to not to mention the fact the history of commercial aviation. Uh, St. Petersburg, some of the first airlines in the world were there, and that is also documented in the museum. In the museum here. And uh, uh-huh. since it's been a couple of years, I'm not going to fumble over myself with incorrect characterizations, but indeed uh, among the first commercial carriers, uh, airline carriers, yep. started their operations well, in St. Petersburg. The first commercial airline was a float plane operation across Tampa to St. Pete. Well, there you go. Yeah. And, and uh, also, let's not forget... The honor bestowed on the Florida Air Museum to be the caretakers of the Howard Hughes collection. That's right. That, oh, right. right. That, that's in yeah. huge. Cool. Is phenomenal. And correct me if I'm wrong. This week, admission to the museum is included in Absolutely. your your, your uh, wristband admission. Yep. Your your son and fun wristband gets you into the Florida Air Museum. I'm going to make some time and go over and check and, that out. That that's and also, if you want to own a piece of history, Avbid aircraft. Auctions. David is not for sale. <laughs> yeah. Well. He is. Every, uh, it can be rented. For the right it can be rented okay. for the right I price. Hoping, I was, I was just, I was just going for, for the. I was just going for the joke. But yeah, yeah okay. I'm sorry, David uh, Shalbetter. Go ahead, Jack. When you have to get, when you get the jokes upon editing the podcast, you don't get to throw them out there. <laughs> <laughs> Buying a piece of history. Sun and Fun, the Florida Air Museum, has decided to liquidate some inventory of aircraft. There are a handful of airplanes going up for sale in the Avbid auction that's happening this week. This is a no-reserve aircraft auction. They have a number of aircraft out of the museum has decided that the capital funds to be raised by this auction, by the sale of these aircraft, are much more important than re- re- um, continuing these aircraft as museum pieces. Perhaps somebody will be able to fly them, get them back in a flying condition, and fly them again. So the Avbid aircraft auction will have some pieces out of the Florida Air Museum. We really need to let people know that because in a no-reserve auction, everybody's going for the low price. This is fundraising for the museum. Yeah. So it's cool stuff. And you can find that on the website, on the Sun and yep. Fun website. Yep. Go to the sun fun, sun-n-fun.org, click on a flying tab, fly-in tab, and everything you need to know about the fly-in, not just the Avbit auction, but everything you need to know about the fly-in is there. And also there's a really cool, if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, on the left edge of the page, there's a Sun and Fun radio yeah. link. Yeah. So now you can click right on the link. In a couple of minutes, we're going to go to a break. And after we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some specific things that we're seeing this year at the Sun and Fun Fly-In. But two more things I want to touch on briefly that are happen all the time uh, or happen regularly here at the Fly-In that I think are cool. Um, first of all, um, there's the night air show. And is this the first year that there are going to be two night air shows? That is correct. There will be a complete night air show, including fireworks, on Friday night. And there will be a night air show with aerobatics only. On Saturday night. Yeah. The night air shows are really cool and, and a little scary, if you ask me. But now, uh, Actually, I think, I personally think that they're amazingly calming and serene. That, I guess there's that, too. But it just, I don't know, pyro in the sky, in the dark. Fireworks you know. on airplanes, flying in the dark. I was speaking to Steve Oliver, who flies the night air shows. Yeah. And he said it's, you know, no pride, very calming. I was asking, well, what's really? it like doing that? 
as long as there's the runway. He wouldn't want to go out and do it over some uninhabited <laughs> <I> area. <see>. Okay. <laughs> so, they, so they use the runway lights for orientation as well. Apparently, what I mean. yeah. yeah. Okay, that's kind of interesting. It's sparkly. Yeah. So uh, Dave Shellbetter, two of those this year. Approximately what time do they begin? You know? uh, dusk, which is roughly 7, 7.30-ish. 7:30 yeah, 7.30-ish. Yeah, okay. That'll be cool, Friday and Saturday. And the other thing is, oh, the balloon launch on Saturday, Saturday morning. morning. balloon launch, and I am very happy to announce we're doing a live radio broadcast really? from out on the field during the balloon launch. So, so if you can't be here, check it out on the stream. But yep. but if you're here, you ought to get up early and go check out the, the balloon launch because it's got, very, very cool. We got it's really to our own guess. balloon launch this morning. What's, we did have a balloon launch Three this morning. Step outside the tent trailer this morning, and a, a pair of hot air balloons were just floating by and right there overhead, was a midair right in front of and, us. And they bumped into each other. I was a little. Yeah. I'm like, what? The, what's going to happen here? This they literally. We so saw a midair. You could see them coming together. All right, and you said, okay, they're going to touch. All right, and they just like very gently kind of hit each other, and then and and you could see them compress just the slightest bit, and then they rebounded and they went <laughs> apart, and they just went on by. All right, you know, Shalbetter's yelling at them, trying to get their attention. You know. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're not as fragile as soap bubbles, yeah. but they work the same But there's going to be way more than two of them on Saturday yeah. morning. I haven't heard a count on the number for Saturday morning, but there's traditionally a bunch. 20 to 30 hot air balloons yeah. launch. It's very, very cool to check it out, but you got to get up first thing in the morning. Don't. And, and when you wake up, and when your alarm goes off at 5 o'clock in the morning and you go, oh, man, is this going to be worth it? Yeah, believe me, it's yeah. going to be worth and, it. And if you're fortunate and the wind is out of the right direction, they'll float across to you, but if not... You're going to miss it all together, so don't risk it. Get up early and come out. We're going to take a break right now. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some specific things from 2013 fly-in. But for now, you're listening to a special episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast on Sun and Fun Radio. G'day, I'm Steve Vischer from PlaneCrazyDownUnder.com. You're listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 1510 AM, Lakeland, Florida. And on the web at liveatc.net slash snf. And we're back here on the deck at Sun and Fun Radio at the 2013 Sun and Fun Fly-In here in Lakeland, Florida. It's Seems really like beautiful. just a year ago we were doing I this. I know, huh? You know, it's how time flies. I'm here with my good friends. David's here and James is here. And we got a bunch of our listeners are out here. Thank you guys. For Thanks our, for coming. All right, here we go. I'm going to take a big chance here. Let's see if I can do this. We've got, this is Rob and Tony, all right, and Brad and Larry's wife. I'm sorry. Larry's abandoned you. Where'd he go? Oh, he's inside. Okay, he's helping out. And Carl and Jim. Thank you for coming by, guys. We really appreciate it. Stick around afterwards. We'll, uh, I don't know what we'll do, but we'll do something. Um, so uh, we've got a couple of cool airplanes right out in front of us here. This black one, I want to talk about this black one for just a second. Because I kind of, first of all, I like this airplane. It's an Amphib. Beautiful. Um, well, this is an Amphib version called the Cape Town. Um, the U.S. distributor is uh, F and, oh, I can never do this right Float. here. Float plane, F and amphibs. Yeah, but it's an acronym. What is it? It's like F and float planes, FPNA. FPNA. Thank you very much. Float planes um, and amphibs. The non-float version of that um, is called the Valor, and I've spoken about it on the podcast any number of times because there's one on the rental line at uh, Sanford Maine Airport where I fly out of. I've never had a chance to fly it, but I want to. I just I like the lines. It's high. I mean, it's high wing, so that's my weakness. But it's got great visibility. visibility big there. bubble windows for doors. I mean, it just looks like a really cool airplane to fly. And uh, hi, how you doing? A pedestrian Hi. Is, Hi, waving, Randy. is waving to us <laughs> as she wanders by. Oh, that's, this is Randy. Yeah, oh, that's okay. Randy. Hi, Randy. 
so the Cape Town version on floats out here um, is sitting here being very attractive and uh, getting a lot of attention. But David, this has been bugging you like crazy. Why does this airplane bother you so much? Oh, I love the airplane. Yes. Uh, it's really beautiful. But uh, this situation is bothering you. Why? Well, they put, they mounted the tie-down ropes all angled in the same direction. I know. It's like the tie-downs are all three tie-downs. There's a tie-down on both wings and on the tail, and they're all pulling backwards. All right? Right. So if in the, the airplane moves wings. off the nose wheel chalk, yeah. it could slam back against the ropes. We cannot figure this out. And the wing tie-downs... Are not on some loading, sort of hard points. They're right. loading the lift struts in shear. That means they would bend the lift struts until yeah. they broke. And those of you that have followed Sun and Fun and maybe were with us a couple of years ago <laughs> might remember when we had a tornado. Yeah. Hello. So, <laughs> so this has been bugging Dave. It's bugging me a little bit, too, but it really bugs Dave. And so I just needed to... We need to get them to fix this before well, much longer goes by the, here. The loading the struts and shear, e even if the ropes were oriented in a way so that the airplane couldn't move forward or backward, the loading the, the lift struts and shear would still not be a wise thing to do in a part of the world where big weather can come up on short notice. Yeah. Now, this other airplane's kind of cool, too. Are you familiar with this, David? Are you, you were doing some research into yeah, this airplane. Yeah, uh, I've actually got uh, got some work lined up with those folks, yeah. and we're hoping to get it out and fly it a little bit. And this is so, a, uh, it's a, a low-wing. Low-wing. Yeah, low-wing. It's, like it's, 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 it's called the Wiga. Called the Wiga. It's kind of, let me just give you a description. So, so low-wing, kind of sporty, sleek. Um, is it retractable gear? Pitch, yeah, it looks like it's... Picture a Falco, if you're familiar oh, with the Falco, Falco okay, Allwood yeah. airplane. Yeah. Retractable gear, uh, three-bladed prop. Um, Constant speed, three-blade, MT. It's and got you tell the me XP, it goes pretty fast. It's got the XP Superiors, XP360 experimental engine in it. Uh, about 2,009-pound gross weight. Two seats side-by-side. -side, 180 horse. 190 knots. Yeah, and it's from uh, Brazil. From Brazil. It's I'm okay. sorry, from Brazil. We need and to say that again. 190 knots. 190 knots. Yeah. Okay. Is it two or four seats? Two. Two. Okay. Still. Just like the Falco. Yeah. So that's it. And it's and very it's sleek actually looking. a little prettier in some ways. It's very yeah. sleek looking. Now, that's part of the Brazilian uh, uh, contingent that's here, that's right? That's the Brazilia Santa Catarina State Aeronautic Industry. Uh, how you knew that? Right off the tip of your tongue like that, huh? No, I can read. It's, one of, it's on the side of the tent. Actually, I've been doing research on this for the last couple of days. So. Yeah, so uh, I'll be in. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Dave <laughs> says it's that 40-foot square cue card. Um, so... Uh, that's an interesting airplane too. There's a, there's a, I mean, you know, no, no, uh, no surprise. There's a lot of interesting airplanes here. It's sun and fun. But uh, what other airplanes are notable? James, what have you seen? You've been wandering around for a little while. Uh, a little while. So just getting to see who's here, who's not, what they've got. One, one. Uh, little panorama I caught really caught my attention. That is uh, the good folks at Beechcraft, who of course had their financial problems over the past couple of years. Uh, under the plans for their reorganization, they divested themselves of their turbine end of the business. So they're here with their uh, their, jet. their jets. Excuse me, of course, because the King Airs are still turbine aircraft. So uh, they have come here not only with three King Airs with a stagger wing. From Canada, beautiful red stagger wing. Staggering. Uh, with their other complement, uh, with their Bonanza with a Baron, but it looks like they brought the entire factory with them in terms of personnel because that place is staffed, and I think they want to send a message that we're here, we're sticking around, we're not going anywhere, and we brought our airplanes to show and our people, and we're proud of both. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. David, you, are you cynical about that, David, or are you just, like, making faces? Oh, I was making face at Randy, who's walking back the other way to join Dan back over at the Sunset Grill. We'll, be, <laughs> we'll catch up with you. Uh, well, let's put it this way. As James correctly observed, uh, Hawker, what was Hawker Beechcraft before that Raytheon aircraft, before that Beach aircraft, they found themselves in serious financial straits when the downturn came. They couldn't handle the debt load. Uh, they shed about two and a half billion. That's a, with a B, kiddies, uh, and uh, are now recapitalized. And they're focusing strictly on propeller airplanes. They are fighting to have the Air Force reconsider the light attack and support aircraft contract that's currently going to Embraer's uh, Super Tucano. Uh, the, uh, I, I think they've got a chance to make a go of it, but they are wisely working on some new products but to come between the twin-engine Baron and the twin-engine King Air 90. They have nothing. I think they're thinking single Oh, that's exactly what they're thinking. They're working on a couple of singles. Uh, they showed some drawings of it at NBAA. Uh, they've been looking for engineers to help make this happen. And I think basically what we're looking at is a, a 90 series King Air with one mm. engine. I like it. And something that I just find really heartwarming about it, although that might be a little misplaced, all for all the years we piston drives, you know, we've seen ourselves get squeezed maybe a little more out of FBOs when we go into the big airports. They make more room for the jets. Hearing all the great product reviews of the Hawker line and what a great jet was, the jet that is. And then when it comes to the future, they decide, no, it's not, you know, we're going with the jets. We're getting rid of that. And we're going with the propeller airplanes. Yeah. And that makes me feel really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and there's there's some uh, there's some business logic behind that. Uh, my, my contacts there explained. Uh, I mean, the, some of the programs that cost them the most financially and, and push them closer to trouble, whereas the Hawker Horizon, which became the Hawker Four Thousand, uh, the Premier One, which became the Hawker Two Hundred, uh, the work they did with the Beachjet Four Hundred, which became the Hawker Four Hundred. They struggled to get those programs done on time, on budget, and found themselves a little bit late to market uh, against their competition. And after a while, you just kind of realize that where they continued to have their best sales and their most success was with the propeller airplanes in their line. Yeah. So uh, that wasn't an easy decision for them. It unfortunately upset quite a number of, uh, of their jet customers. Uh, because there's uh, going to be an end game for some of the warranties, that of course, and some yeah. of the yep. later sales. But uh, we need we we need to, we need them in the market. We need to see them survive. I'd like to see a couple of single engine turboprops come out of them. I'd also like to see them consider redesigning the uh, uh, airplanes that uh, we now call the Bonanza and the Baron. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with the staggering on the line, maybe who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you guys I'm, noticed? I'm not sure that that's not even more parts intensive than a bonanza. <laughs> Have you guys noticed this? Have you noticed the percentage of people who wander by that Dave knows and he waves to them? All right, you know, this is what I think. This is a new UCAP drinking game. All right, is every time Dave waves to no, that's actually the wrong way to do it. All right. <laughs> Every time somebody goes by that Dave doesn't know, take a drink. Yeah. 
David, have you seen any? We, we do have a, a limited amount of allotted time tonight. So, but have you seen any products or airplanes or things that are particularly notable? Uh, yeah, a couple. Uh, over in the light sport area today, uh, they've got an electric LSA. Uh, it's a pusher with twin boom fuselage. Uh, the Electro LS, I think it was. Uh, just is aircraft that, from South Carolina. Is that is one of here. your airplanes? The Electro... L, no. Okay. Our, the, uh, our, our the friend folks. Brad is with Pipistrel. And you guys have been, been dabbling in electric aircraft in the past as well, right? Come on up here for a minute, real quickly. The other one that I saw, that, and I haven't finished my tour around there, but it was a, a, a variation of a, a existing kit called the Highlander from Just Aircraft in South Carolina yeah. that has uh, fixed slats on the wing and a totally new landing gear design. And uh, that puppy will fly at about 25 knots and then land from about 15 feet and stop in less than an airplane length. Mm -hmm. And the landing gear is to oleo struts with uh, uh, legs, and it absorbs all the impact without bottoming out the struts. Now, it's got tires about the size of Mount Everest on it and small rims, which makes it oh, really Oh, I'm sorry. Helpful. Yeah, this is the Just Aircraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was aircraft. looking at that. That's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, and those leading-edge things are all kind of passive. They just do their thing without any adjustment by the pilot, right? They're right? fixed slats, and they greatly but, but, improve the lift at high angles of attack yeah. and have almost no effect on the aerodynamics at normal cruise. But when you say fixed, they, they do move to different positions in flight. No, they do not. I believe you're mistaken. I was that, playing with them. They they float in and out depending on your airspeed or your angle of attack or something really? like that. Yeah. Uh, they look like fixed to me. Yeah, it's very cool. Go sure back and look again. you're not talking about a Helio Courier. No, I'm talking about the uh, Just Aircraft Superstall. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty well, cool. Well, I'm supposed to fly it tomorrow, so Okay, well, make sure I'll you get, get the that. briefing. Well, I guess make sure they're not broken, the ones that I was looking <laughs> at, huh? Yeah. So, anyways, let's move along here because we are kind of running out of time. Um, or We're not running out of time, but I can see we're going to because there's so much to talk about here. Um, you talked about the, uh, the Superstall. The, uh, you know, I mean, speaking of just aircraft, I, the, that's a really interesting company with some interesting airplanes that were, in a large, large sense, defined by YouTube. Right? There's the guy who did the uh, mountain landing guy who was, you know. That's, 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 that's something that did make them um, And it more really gave prominent. them a focus. You know, it gave yeah. and, and they're really running with it. I mean, they're, they're, well, they, they had a customer out west that was doing dead stick takeoffs off a mountaintop. Oh, man. Yeah. And then starting the engine and flying down and then doing a dead stick landing at the bottom. I saw that. I didn't realize that that was that aircraft. In yeah. I started to invite Brad up here, but we're running a little late on time. I just want to say Brad is the guy, is, is our listener who we've talked about in the past, who brings us chocolate. Oh, what have you got? Oh, this is not what I was going for. I really, this is, this is embarrassing. Um, here, I'll hold this for you. Oh, well, I, as one of your, list, as one of your listeners, have come to pay pendants <laughs> for the great entertainment you give us and keep us flying in the winter where... Even though I do yell at my pod a little bit while I'm walking, going, airplane to airplane to airplanes. <laughs> but once again, whoops, whoops, whoops. Oh, look what he's brought us. More of this German chocolate. Oh, this stuff man. is awesome. From our lip. Yep, it's... Yep, 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 yep. Oh, look at I mean, it's just like every kind of German chocolate that you can imagine oh, here. Man. Thank you so much. Yeah, these are awesome. Thank you very much. We Brad, really, thank you. We really appreciate that. That was great. And so far, the most exciting thing that happened to me today that was one of the reasons you come here is Amy Laboda saw me and came over and gave me a hug. Did you get a hug from Amy? 
I did. I even got a kiss on the cheek. Uh, I was still pretty, made my whole day. Uh, there you go. And I don't blame you. That's, that's, uh, that's something that would make your day. That's not, well, yeah. we, a, a hug and a, from Amy is always a good thing. And we just wanted to come and share. And this is from your listeners. Now, you also have an aircraft that's not here, but there's some news about it. Yes, we do. The uh, Pantera did its first flight on Saturday. And we actually did our second flight yesterday. And we did the gear retraction during the flight. And it is moving along very well. Uh, and what's significant about it is the test aircraft is a, basically the full production aircraft. We put the interior in it. The whole nine yards. Great. And, and you got your trainer here, too, don't you? Yes. We, have, we actually have the Alpha trainer here. I've got it over. We're in the LSA mall. I want to. And, yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. We're going to get you up in the air today, <laughs> this week. I promise. And these are all, all right. part of the Pipistrel line. These are all part of the Pipistrel line. We're going to take, we're going to, we've already been, the factory's been ISO certi- certified. We got our LSA certifications, and now we're going for our Part 23 for the Pantera. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll Thanks, come by Brad. and see your airplanes a little bit later on in the week. That's right. terrific. I Thank you. I came here to give you chocolate, not to do a commercial. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll accept your chocolate. Thank you <laughs> Thank very you, much. Brad. Thank you, Brad. Airplanes. Hey, airplanes. Airplanes. <laughs> airplanes. Okay. Airplanes. Chocolate airplanes. Airplanes. I, I got chocolate all over my notes here. Let's see. Uh, airplanes. Um, I was. Oh, you know, speaking of Paradise City, so one of the big stories this year is the fact that Paradise City has undergone some changes. And, and Paradise City is is what well what formerly was known as the ultralight area, the uh, grass strip way over at the edge of the grounds where they do a lot of flying throughout the uh, the week. Um, they're doing more than ever now. David, you're you're sort of our you know Paradise City guy. Tell us a little bit quickly well, about uh, what's going on over there. Paradise City started as the ultralight flying area back in the early '80s, and as it grew. They moved it out to a place to accommodate more exhibitors, more airplanes. Then it went through some downturns. Uh, the LSA folks weren't sure they wanted to fly over there. Uh, thanks to the hard work of the volunteers and the management, the FAA, uh, their very able longtime chairman, David Piper. Uh, they now have uh, a, an improved runway. They've made longer clear runs. Uh, they've taken out some uh, scary-looking uh, uh, terrain that you wouldn't want to come up short with. Uh, they put a new road through there, paved, Yeah, that makes it easier to drive through the Paradise City. And uh, they're now allowed to fly during the air show. Yeah. So they fly in there over there from 9 until sunset. And, and they were, as a matter of fact, today. I was over there during the air show today checking out what was going on. And at one time in the, fl- in the pattern, their flyby pattern at Paradise City, there was, in fact, two rotorcraft, a couple of LSAs, and a couple of ultralights all Great. sharing the flyby pattern. It was very, very cool, all while the air show was going on back over at this end of the, uh, of the grounds. And if you're here... Yeah, and you get over that way. You might want to stop and take a look at the two uh, really interesting antique ultralights. Yeah, I wanted there. to mention the, this: the American Eagle and an Easy Riser with tricycle gear and a McCulley engine. Now, David, these are significant parts of ultralight history, right? These are notable yeah. aircraft. I thought a McCulley was a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, and that's the engine. Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave's That's a braver. Where it started, baby. Dave's way braver than we ever realized. Yeah, I'd say. Tell us about these airplanes because they're really interesting. The which one it would be the earlier of the two? Well, the Easy Riser uh, is the earlier of the two. Uh, it's a bi-wing foot-launched hang glider mm-hmm. with a sling seat, twist tubes, 
to activate chip sales. That's how that works. I was wondering, because I I saw those tip sails, and they obviously have control cables to them, but I couldn't see a control there. There's not a stick. There are twist tubes on both Ah, sides. Ah, okay. And pitch control is solely by weight shift. Yep. And uh-huh. it has no nose wheel steering. I saw that was kind of interesting. Well, this one does. Uh, yeah. The earlier ones had, had two no little gear foot pegs on. You, you actually your feet go down and and go to the left and right of the nose wheel where there's two little foot pegs. And right, you and can it works steer. like a tricycle. Yeah, I mean where yeah. you push to the push the bar to the it right to go or push the right bar to go left. It, it looks like quite an airplane to fly. So you're in this sling seat. And your back is like right up against the front of the engine. I mean, just you're, about yeah, you're right there. And this uh, is the original ultralight kit. Yeah. John Moody put a uh, it, it was it was an Icarus, which was a predecessor to the Easy Riser, and they put a little chainsaw engine on it with a little propeller, and he ran off the ground at Oshkosh and climbed <laughs> in a bi-wing fixed surface hang glider. And the world changed at that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, and then suddenly hang gliders were looked at differently because you could potentially hang an engine on a lot of them. And instead of having to run off a mountain or get towed up, you could do like John Moody did in his tennis shoes and run down the grass next to 1836 at Oshkosh. Get, climb off the ground, pull your feet up into the sling, hang them on the edge, and... Around you go. Now, is that aircraft over there still airworthy? Or? Yeah, 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 it's still flown. Yeah, both of those actually were yeah. flown. And both of those were flown up here from South Lakeland. Yeah. And if you were flying one of those, as would you shut the engine down then and hang glide, or were those meant to be flown with the engine on uh, constantly while well, while the, airborne? The American Eagle, which is uh, kind of a, uh, a variation of a regalo wing with droop tips that activate for roll control and a canard for pitch. It was meant to be flown with the engine on. But the riser was meant to get you up off the ground initially and then shut it off where you could soar because the engine was so small, the prop was so small, that your body pretty much blocked it. So it didn't really generate any additional drag, although it did add a little extra weight. I mm-hmm. think that whole power pack may have weighed everything about 18 pounds. Wow. <laughs> And quickly, David, the other uh, historic ultralight over there is the Eagle. The Amer- right, the American Eagle. Uh, some of you may remember a gentleman named Larry Newman, uh, who was part of the crew that flew the first hot air balloon across the Atlantic. Uh, Larry was a hang glider pilot, a corporate pilot, started a little company to build hang gliders. That morphed into the American Eagle. They wanted something that was a little more controllable than a trike with weight shift but could also be folded up fairly easy and loaded on top of a car or a van and hauled back to the garage instead of a hangar. Uh, Chuck Yeager actually flew one of those at Oshkosh one year and pronounced Mm -hmm. it a real airplane. That's cool. That's cool. There's so many awesome airplanes that are here on the grounds, uh, old and new and and experimental and and military and And products, not just the airplanes, things that go in them and the exhibit hangers. Uh, You know, I'm using an iPad now to supplement my panel mounted gear. And uh, I happen to be using ForeFlight on the iPad with the Apario, uh, the unit gives you ADS-B in and out. And just found out today by going through their booth, first of all, they've got an upgraded version that's going to be available that has both uh, 1090 and 975, I guess, uh, in out, 978. 978. 
978. And uh, also, that my existing one, the older style, is going to be upgraded, and I'll be able to see 978 traffic on it yeah. when that yeah. comes. So that's very exciting. Well, that means you can get the live weather. And- I've got the live weather already, so that's great. But the, now, uh, Forflight is putting traffic on as well as the live yeah, weather. That's great. Yeah. Hey, we've reached the end of our allotted time here. I have a couple of people I want to thank. Um, and uh, we will be doing uh, the uh, uh, UCAP uh, Sun and Fun dailies throughout the week. So we'll be visiting a little few more of these products and these airplanes and various interesting places around the ground so if you're if you care you might want to also check out the ucap dailies uh we will be back uh, next sunday uh to do another full-blown version of the uncontrolled airspace podcast i once again hear from the deck and that will kind of wrap up the week for us um so uh a couple of thank yous first of all thank you to our listeners who came by we really thank appreciate you. you guys we love meeting you thank guys. you guys Yay! gals and uh we're gonna hang out and, and and visit with them for a little while after what's that <laughs> They're doing the wave. <laughs> I, and I thought they were so cool. Right. Oh, well. No, they, they were listened. actually waving. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to visit with them for a while after we finish up here, and that'll be, that, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so thanks to them for stopping by. Uh, thank you. Big, big thank you to Dave Shalbetter and to the entire staff of, of Sun and Fun Radio here, here. for all of the help and hospitality that they show us and throughout the, the week. And the staff of Sun and Fun for all the work they do and all the volunteers here that make it click. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, thanks for stopping by. I My know you're, pleasure. You, you only have a limited amount of time here this year. For Thank you for spending some of it oh, with us. I wouldn't we, miss it. We really, really like appreciate we say that. Eat, you know? eat some chicken feet for me in Singapore. <laughs> David, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Always fun. And, I, I, uh, I, there'd be a big hole in my day if I didn't get to do this. Yeah. I like the hole in my head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeb, I don't know if you're listening or not, but we'll see you soon. Uh, I'm Jack Hodgson. David, did you have something you wanted to say? If you'd like to live in be happy and get as old as we do, you got to go fly because it's only through flying you get to live this long because, as you know, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. Hey, and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. TTFN. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.